Crown Jewel is this Thursday, and it is not worth the time or effort to come up with a clever intro. So I'm going to play the music, make some predictions, and we're all going to move on with our lives. Sound good? Good. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Closet Champion Podcast. I am your host, the reigning, rarely defending, highly disputed champion of wrestling podcasts, Mike Mueller. On this episode, we are making our predictions for WWE's Crown Jewel, which airs live this Thursday at noon on the Peacock Network. This is the third Crown Jewel special to happen in four years, but it is the first year in which it has not been, or excuse me, has been the featured pay-per-view of the month. In years past, it's sort of just kind of been a glorified house show with some big names returning, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, that kind of stuff. Uh, But the stakes definitely seemed raised for this event. (sighs) And despite some huge marquee matches, the hype for this show is just kind of meh, so we're not going to waste any time. We're going to get right to the predictions, and I'm going to apologize in advance for my asshole cat who cannot be contained. So if you hear background noise, it's him. And I really have no one to blame but myself, because when you name your cat after a heel wrestler, expect him to do do some heel shit, like interrupting your podcast. So it is what it is, and I apologize in advance. Uh, As far as the matches go, we're going to start with the headliner and then kind of just jump around everywhere. Uh, So we're starting with Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. I'm saying right away, Reigns is going to win, and I think this is going to be a clean win. It's going to be one of his most definitive wins to date. They're doing this thing right now where Reigns has sort of gone through every legitimate person on the roster, and now they're bringing back these legends you know, for him to face and for him to conquer next. So we've got uh, Brock Lesnar right now. I'm assuming that we're either going to get Brock Lesnar again or someone else at Royal Rumble. And then at that point, we're going to set up ourselves for Roman Reigns versus The Rock at WrestleMania. That would be my long-term prediction. But either way, I think we're going to get a Brock Lesnar rematch. Uh, But Reigns is going to get this victory. I think it is going to be clean. And the big question surrounding this match is, who is Paul Heyman going to go with? Is Paul, he's sort of been put between this rock and this hard place where on TV he's telling us he's loyal to Roman Reigns and only to Roman Reigns. And Brock Lesnar keeps saying, well, that's not the case, Paul. You and I are in constant communication. You and I went over the contract before I signed it. And all of this is being done to create doubt between the relationship between Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns. I think it's totally a tactic and a ploy, and we're going to find out eventually that Paul has not been in communication with Brock at all, and he's just doing this really uh, to stir the pot 
and make things a little awkward between Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman. And I think it's a brilliant move. I really like this. Brock Lesnar as a babyface is weird, but they're doing the best job that they can with it. I think it's really working. I do not expect Paul Heyman to do anything in this match that would show a clear loyalty to one person or the other, because I think really what he's going to do is he's going to want to hang back so that way when the match is over, he can go with whoever wins. If Roman Reigns wins, he'll go with Roman Reigns. If Brock Lesnar pulls the upset, he'll go with Brock Lesnar. But if he does something in the match and it backfires, now he's in a no-win situation. And Paul Heyman is too good of a character, too smart of a character, where if they went that route, I'd be extremely disappointed. Because the Paul Heyman character wouldn't take that risk. He wouldn't risk showing his hand and, say, trying to interfere on behalf of Roman Reigns and then Brock Lesnar still gets the win somehow and now he's kind of screwed because he's stuck with the person who's not the champion. Paul Heyman wants to be around gold. So the the worst thing that I see happening, and I do think something like this is going to happen, is there's going to be a very clear opportunity for Paul Heyman to interfere on behalf of Roman Reigns. He's not going to. He's going to pass on that opportunity. Roman Reigns is going to get the win anyway, and then there is our level of mistrust and doubt where Paul says, I was behind you the whole time. I'm so happy for you, Roman. And Roman goes, really? Well, then why didn't you hit Brock Lesnar when you had the chance? Or why didn't you distract the referee when you had the chance? Or something to that degree. But I think this is going to be a clean finish. I think we're still continuing to just make Roman Reigns look like the absolute beast that he is. And I don't think we're going to get any uh, any deviation from that. A lot of people are thinking this might be a chance uh, to get the title off of him to a respectable opponent. But I just don't see that happening. Next match on the card is Mansoor versus Mustafa Ali. Mustafa Ali, excuse me. Uh, look, Mansoor is going to win because it's Saudi Arabia, and that's what he does. He does not lose in Saudi Arabia. Uh, when it comes to Crown Jewel, quite frankly, Mansoor is better than The Undertaker at WrestleMania, which is why I am dead serious when I say this. If Roman Reigns is still champion come Crown Jewel next year, and don't think that that's not possible, I would book Mansoor versus Roman Reigns. It's a squash match anywhere else in the world, but at Crown Jewel, it is a legit tough pick, and you could do a lot in that year to make it somewhat believable that Mansoor could beat him. But as far as taking on someone like Mustafa Ali, no chance in hell. Mansoor is going to get the win. Uh, this is my lock of the night. There's no way it's not going to happen. I'm not going to spend any more time on it. Let's move on to the uh, King of the Ring and Queen's Cup finals because these actually are some pretty interesting matches. Uh, let's uh, let's get the Queen's Cup out of the way first. Uh, this whole tournament has just stunk to high heaven. If you listened to the last episode, you know that I thought Shayna Baszler was going to defeat Carmella in the finals. Obviously, that's not happening. And, you know, shame on me. I totally forgot that Shayna Baszler is gay and Saudi Arabia is a backwards-ass country when it comes to human rights. And I want to note that's not a blanket statement about my opinion of the people of Saudi Arabia. I have Saudi friends and they're wonderful people, but the powers that be in that country are horrible and I am not sorry for my opinion on that. So we don't get Shayna Baszler. Instead, we get Zelina Vega versus Dewdrop. 
and you have to say her name that way every single time. I I can't say it without the excitement. Um, you know, <laughs> I've been wrong on four of the six matches that have led up to this, so don't take my word on this here. But I said from the very beginning that if I was picking with my heart, I'd pick Zelina Vega because I love her. And since my head choice hasn't worked out at all and isn't even an option, let's go with the heart. I'm going to say Zelina wins. If for no other reason, then she's going to work that queen gimmick really, really well. Her outfits and her hashtag wrestling fashion are going to be off the charts. Shout out to uh, Rob Williams and the Bob Culture Podcast, who do an amazing hashtag wrestling fashion uh, poll every single week. And if you're not following that page and getting involved in it, you really should because it's a lot of fun and you get to see people lose their minds. And that's always great. So let's talk about the men's side. Uh, Let's talk about King of the Ring. Uh, While the women's bracket was a clusterfuck, uh, the men's bracket made a lot of logical sense except for one glaring problem. Why the hell do you have Jinder Mahal defeat Kofi Kingston only to lose to Xavier Woods in the next round? WWE had a golden opportunity to give us Kofi Kingston versus Xavier Woods without having to break up the New Day, and they passed on it. To quote Randy Orton, stupid! So... When Jinder defeated Kofi Kingston, I was disappointed, but I thought, okay, we're not getting Kofi versus Xavier, so they must have big plans for Jinder. Looks like Jinder's just going to win this whole thing. That at least would salvage the fact that you screwed us out of Xavier versus Kofi. Well, no, Jinder's just going to go ahead and lose in the next round to Xavier Woods anyway, and we're getting Xavier Woods in the final, which everyone wanted but would have been a hell of a lot more fun if his journey there included a victory over his tag team partner. But we don't get that. We don't get to have nice things in WWE, apparently. So instead... Uh, We do get Xavier in the final, which the internet has been clamoring for, and he's facing Finn Balor, and I did think that this was going to be the the matchup in the finals. Like I said, I thought we were going to get there in a little bit different of a way. But regardless, we've got our I, what I consider to be our ideal final between Finn Balor and Xavier Woods. Xavier Woods has the support of the internet and the internet wrestling community. Really, really wants him to get this. He's been talking about it for years. But what we know about WWE is Vince McMahon does not give a shit about your opinion. He does not give a shit about Twitter. He doesn't care about any of it. And he shouldn't have to. He's a billionaire. What does he care He can do whatever he wants, and people are still going to watch and pour money into his program. So take it for what it is. But what I do want to say is I'm picking Finn Balor, and I'm not just picking Finn Balor because the internet wants Xavier Woods, and I think they're not going to get what they want. It's because Finn Balor is the best choice for this. Xavier Woods is a very, very good wrestler and performer, sports entertainer, whatever you want to call it. But he's not a main event guy. And you don't have to be a main event guy to win King of the Ring. But let's look at what this victory would do for each person. If Xavier Woods wins it, short of a heel turn and splitting apart from the New Day, which again, if you can do that, why the fuck don't you have those two wrestle in the semifinals? Xavier Woods is still going to be a tag team competitor, mainly. 
Uh, I mean, he may still, he may, they may start giving him more singles matches, but at the end of the day, he's still part of the new day. Giving him the crown doesn't really do anything other than giving them some new merchandising opportunities, which is very important for WWE, but Finn Balor can do the same thing. Finn Balor is an established main eventer. He's the first universal champion. He's renowned all over the world. He's one of their biggest international superstars, if not their biggest international superstar. Uh, Some may argue Shinsuke Nakamura. But the fact of the matter is this guy has reached far beyond the United States. Giving him this victory is a small step in repairing the damage that you've done by screwing him out of his SummerSlam main event, by screwing him in the match against Roman Reigns at Extreme Rules. You're telling us that you still believe and you still understand that you have a main event talent on your hands. This will give Finn Balor the momentum that he needs to go on and do whatever he's going to do next, whether that's a mid-card title, whether that's a main event uh, push, it, it doesn't matter. Xavier Woods winning this crown would be a great feel-good moment, and they might have a little bit of fun with it, but ultimately I think you're going to get a lot more mileage out of Finn Balor becoming King of the Ring. Plus, he's also kind of known as the Prince, and you can do the Prince into the King thing. He's also the Demon King, so you can have him if he does bring the Demon King gimmick back. If you want my opinions on bringing the Demon King uh, gimmick coming back, listen to my last podcast. But if they choose to bring it back, it would be cool if he had some like weird demonic crown or something to go with it. There's a lot of ways you can play it, and I think ultimately it's what's best for business. It's at least what I think WWE thinks is best for business, and so I think that's what they're going to do. Sorry, internet wrestling community, but Finn Balor gets the crown. All right, moving on. Tag team titles for Raw. We've got RK-Bro, Matt Riddle, and Randy Orton versus AJ Styles and Omos. I'm not wasting time on this. RK-Bro is over as hell. The tag team division is a barren wasteland, so we get a rehash of this match that we've seen many, many times, but there is no chance RK-Bro is losing. They're going to get the win. They're going to continue on. Uh, I'm not spending any more time on it. Big E versus Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship. Really, this is Big E's first, uh, first title defense, at least on a uh, pay-per-view level, I think at all, but it definitely feels like a placeholder match. I love Drew McIntyre, and I think he still has enough credibility to be a viable threat in this match, but if you look at the, traje- the trajectory of these two, Drew is on his way down, Big E's on his way up. That's not an insult. It's the circle of booking life. You know, you're on top for a long time. You start doing the job for people. Did the job for Lashley. He's going to do the job for Big E. It's going to be a great match. This could be match of the night. Uh, A lot of people are saying it's going to be Finn and Xavier, and I certainly would not be upset at that. But I think people are sleeping on this match, and it's going to be amazing. But ultimately, Big E's going to get the victory. We're too new into uh, into this reign. There's a lot, a lot of great stuff we can do with Big E as champion. A lot of great matchups, new matchups that we haven't seen. Uh, I don't think there's any reason to stop that momentum now. Uh, Let's go on to Goldberg versus Bobby Lashley. I really like the fact that this is a no-holds-barred match because if it wasn't a no-holds-barred match, it has maximum a five-minute shelf life. Being able to include weapons and interference, legal interference and all that stuff, we can easily get a solid 10-minute match out of this. I'd really like to see 
a solid 10-minute match out of Goldberg. Uh, I'd like to see if it's possible, to be honest with you, because I don't think it is. But if we're ever going to get one, these are the circumstances for it. You know, at the end of the day, Bobby Lashley is no longer the champion. This is, for all intents and purposes, a one-off match. This isn't leading to anything bigger. I don't think we've kind of run this story to the ground. Bobby Lashley is messing with Goldberg's kid and his family. That's kind of the overall story um, going into this. And ultimately, when you have that type of story, the good guy's got to get his revenge. Like, you can't be messing with someone's family. You can't be attacking someone's kids and get away with it for too long. That's just, that's not good storytelling. That's not the way WWE does things. And it's not the way they're going to do it here. Goldberg's going to avenge his family name. I uh, expect his kid to get involved somehow. Maybe MVP takes a bump from him, something like that, something to get the crowd popping. They're going to respond really well to this match because the Saudis do love these uh, returning legends. They popped really big for Undertaker and Kane versus DX, even though that was absolutely abysmal. But it, it should be exciting. Uh, hopefully they don't drag it out too long. But Goldberg's going to get the win. Uh, his kid's going to celebrate in the ring with him again, and we're all going to be happy. And speaking of messing with someone's family, we've got Seth Rollins versus Edge in Hell in a Cell. This is technically the third match in their trilogy, but, I mean, let's be real about it. Edge won at SummerSlam, and then Seth Rollins got his revenge win at an inconsequential match that happened on SmackDown. So it's not really like we're on even footing here. And we don't need to be on even footing. It doesn't matter. Nothing about 2021 Seth Rollins matters. And that's not an insult to Seth Rollins. It's just his character is so good and so over that he doesn't need to win. It does nothing for Seth Rollins' character whether he wins or loses this match. Conversely... It is a huge deal if Edge loses this match. We don't know how many matches Edge plans on having. We don't know how many more angles they plan on using him for. Uh, I'll, I'll be real honest, and I might get shit for this, but I feel like Edge has delivered the exact same promo every single time, really since, really since WrestleMania, but in a way, ever since he's come back. It's the same promo. It's the same gist. I'm kind of over it. I'm, I'm done caring. And the only way you're going to get me to continue to care about Edge as a character is if you give him a win here. And you make me think, oh, maybe the, maybe there is title opportunities on the horizon uh, for the Rated R Superstar. But ultimately, Seth Rollins broke into Edge's home. He drank Edge's orange juice from the carton. Like, just the disrespect to be drinking a man's orange juice in his house at his dining room table with your feet propped up. I don't even know if his feet were propped up, but in my mind they were. And just drinking the man's orange juice right from the carton. Ah, oh, ah, oh, disrespect. And that shall not stand, man. This injustice shall not stand. Edge is going to get the win. It's going to be a brutal match. It's hell in a cell. I hope they give them lots of time. I hope they're both bloodied and beaten and they've got welts and bruises all over their body. I think we're going to get it. It should be fun. It should be entertaining. It should be a long match. But Edge comes out as the winner here. And finally, we've got the triple threat match between Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks, and Bianca Belair. You know, a triple threat match is always an interesting proposition because the champ doesn't need to take the loss in order to lose their belt necessarily. However, I think 
even under those circumstances, it's hard to imagine a scenario where Becky Lynch loses here. If she loses, I think it's going to be to Bianca Belair, not to Sasha Banks. But ultimately, what I think is going to happen is Becky is going to get probably the pinfall, possibly a submission, but probably the pinfall on Bianca Belair. Sasha Banks is not going to be included in the finish, and that will save Sasha versus Becky for a future pay-per-view. Sasha just got a measure of revenge by beating Becky Lynch on SmackDown, but it was a non-title match. Bianca Belair got involved, yada, yada, yada. So if you have Becky Lynch pin or submit Bianca Belair, that saves the Becky Lynch-Sasha Banks storyline for future events. I think that's where we're going here. Where we go after that, I'm not totally sure. But short-term storytelling has me believe that this has got a Becky Lynch title retain. And that does mean that I think all titles are going to be retained. I'm not seeing any title switcheroos happening unless we get some kind of pre-show match or something Uh, possibly for the Intercontinental title uh, at like as as a pre-show match or something. I don't know. But I've got all of the champs defending. So real quick, that's Roman Reigns, uh, Becky Lynch, RK-Bro, and Big E all defending. I've got Mansoor going over on Ali because Mansoor does not lose in Saudi Arabia. I've got Finn Balor being your king of the ring. I've got Zelina Vega being the Queen's Cup winner, I guess. And we've got Goldberg getting revenge for his family on Bobby Lashley. we got Edge getting revenge for his family on Seth Rollins. And that's it, man. That's the whole card. we got nine matches. I am exp- Even though I'm not excited for the card in general or the pay-per-view in general, I think we are going to get some amazing matches. Hopefully, this is an opportunity for your boy to bump up his already incredible win-loss win percentage in predictions. It's been a very good year for me in that regard. It's also been a very good year for me because I am now doing some writing. I've told you about it on episodes in the past. I'm doing writing for an incredible website called thepopbreak.com. They cover all things pop culture, lots of TV, lots of music, lots of movies, Tons of wrestling, all that good stuff. You can see me writing Rampage and Dynamite reviews. I wrote a fantastic Dynamite review for this past week. I'm really, really proud of it. I also do Survivor reviews. So if you're a fan of the long-running CBS reality show Survivor, I give a week-by-week recap. I also give my predictions for who I think is going to be next to go and also predictions for who I think is going to win the whole damn thing. So if any of that interests you, you can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Closet Champ. You can find my writing. I usually link there. You can also find it at thepopbreak.com. As always, reach out to me. You know, I love hearing from you guys. It's always fun interacting with you. Thank you so much for continuing to make this website a success. And if it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't keep doing this. And if I didn't keep doing this, I wouldn't have these new opportunities opening for me. So I am so, so grateful for your continued support. Let's hope that we get a good match on Thursday. I'm sure we'll be back to talk about it next week and all the new stuff that's happening both in WWE and in AEW. Until next time, I am your reigning, rarely defending, highly disputed champion of wrestling podcasts, Mike Mueller. I'm going to take the count out loss and get out of here with my belt. Thank you, everybody.